Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 407 of the Mail Right Show. Today, John and I, two real estate marketing industry veterans, each with our own different skill set, we are going to give our analysis of a video that John picked up talking about the best ways to improve uh, your real estate website traffic. So, um, before we get into our meaty, meaty subject today, why don't you go ahead and share? I, I say I feel like John's going to cut that bit up. Uh, why don't you go ahead and share your um, your uh, analysis? Or sorry, the, tell people who you are, John. Yes, are you with us, Robert? It's been a busy day, isn't it? it I, I, yeah, I've been just bang, 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 bang. Um, thanks for that, Robert. Um. So I'm the joint founder of mail-right.com. We're a platform that gives you more digital leads. Um, it's got a number of aspects to it. We utilize paid traffic uh, with an emphasis on Facebook. And then we have text messaging, um, email messaging, a really cool social media calendar system, and a couple of other cool elements. That would be Take up too much time. But if that sounds interesting, go over to the MailRite website and book a demo with myself, and I'll show you all the features, and we can have a chat about your needs. Back over to you, Rob. Cool beans. All right. My name is Robert Newman. I'm the founder of Inbound REM. Uh, I've got 15 years' experience in the industry. I've uh, worked with notable companies uh, uh, like Wailopo and Luxury Presence and Agent Image contracting, doing various things for all those companies. And then I also have my own company that I founded. Uh, mostly though, I'm known for my skill and experience as it relates to residential real estate website, SEO, or SEO in general, uh, video, image, traditional search or hyperlocal. So um, you can always go to inboundrem.com if you want to learn more about me or any of those things, any of those subjects. All right. So we're going to dig deep into a topic today, which is going to be uh, commentary on a guy that's saying seven ways to incre increase your website traffic in 2023. Some of those ways I agree with, and John, I'm driving in advance. Some of those ways I don't know that we made my list. But go ahead. The first number one on our list to review and dialogue about is MVP. And no, we are not talking about most valuable player. We are talking about minimum viable host. Why don't you start jumping into that, John? Yeah, you seemed. I could understand the concept in some ways. What he was talking about is look at the competition a bit, but also have a structure to your posts about the different elements. The only problem with it is that I think you've got to have some level of awareness. And what I mean of awareness, you've got to be a certain level of knowledge to make the assessment of what a minimum viable post compared to your competition is. So what I thought might be interesting, because based on your experience, Rob, is maybe you can give a quick outline of some of the major things that you, when you look at somebody's website and their posts, mm -hmm. what are good practices in 2023 around how you judge what a good post is. Um, sure. that's, but I'm not sure, you, you know, you, you got, oh, 
in Melright, we specialise in paid traffic, but obviously my other business, I do do a lot of SEO posts. Um, so over to you, Rob. Okay. So first of all, minimum viable post. I feel like this gentleman who did the video, um, who uh, his name is Adam Infroy, for those of you that are interested. He has 156,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is far more than one and I do, just to call him out for having a much bigger following than either one of us do, um, at least as far as I know. I Certainly me. I'll speak to, me, to myself. Oh, he's got a much bigger following than me. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say he obviously has never run across Bruce Clay. Bruce Clay a long time ago turned uh, oh, the term skyscraper into a vernacular that every single SEO guy uses. That's Neil Patel, Brian Dean, anybody that talks about SEO talks about skyscraper. What that is, is another way of saying what this guy just said. You look at what's out there, you try to do something better. That's it. Building a skyscraper, building higher than the next building. That's why it's stuck. Well, I don't, these days that doesn't necessarily work. Okay, Seth Godin called out a whole bunch of good things. For those of you who don't know who he is, look him up. Seth Godin says that today's content, which I agree with, is more about engagement, usefulness. It doesn't have to be just because the other guy wrote 500 words, you have to write 1,000 or something like that. Minimum viable post. When I look at a post, I need to look at it and go, what can I provide that's not being provided? Now, the easiest, lowest hanging fruit is what John and I talk about incessantly. Video. Why? Because it's interactive content that you easily put on the site. The user interacts with it. That's number one. Number two, if you watch it on the website you found it on, you'll oftentimes discover that you spend one, two, three, four minutes there. Google registers that as hang time, engagement time with the site. So you've got that going for you. That's a huge SEO signal. If you click on the video and go to YouTube, that's a user engagement signal. So even if you bounce off the site, go someplace else, there's still some value in posting a video to your site. It also changes the dynamic of the content. You can write the exact same post that somebody else wrote, almost word for word. But if you put a video on it that has a fairly educated opinion about the subject, you've now created what is effectively a much better piece of content because perhaps you've added commentary that makes somebody engage with the written word better. Now, not all things circle back to video. There are other things you can do. A table of contents. Let's say you've written a 5,000 word article as an example, John. Well, a really useful thing to do that is very popular today, including by the close and other websites that you and I directly compete with, is a table of content. So you just say, this is where you find this element. And you click on it and you go to the place. That's a user engage another user engagement field. It's interactive. You click on the table of contents, you go straight to the place in the article that has what you're interested in. It's 5,000 words. And who's got the time? Accordion menus, something that you use, that you engage with that's an easy click that reveals hidden content. That is uh, probably the biggest, easiest, cheapest hack that exists. And then, of course, one of my favorites that we use Canva for is uh, infographics. Making an infographic off a set of data that may not fit the right way into your piece of content, such as uh, the top five most expensive things on the cost of living post. What is most expensive in Costa Mesa? Um, you know, gas, groceries, whatever it is, right? But you're creating a little infographic with a couple little pictures. Somebody doesn't even have to read the infographic. They just go, oh, groceries, gas, and boat slippage fees are the most expensive thing Costa Mesa. Got it. All right. So when you're talking about um, 
most viable content, the way I read into that is look at what you're competing against and provide something different or better. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't um, have to be longer. Yeah, I think that, but I also think you meant the layout because I'm looking at your website and, you know, what your blogs and, you know, obviously they're highly optimized. Obviously you have your table content available on the left side of all your blog posts. You've got a video on most of your blog posts. And then on the right-hand side, because I think you're using Elementor, aren't you? As you Elementor, yeah. yeah. Um, and on your right, you've got your recent posts. You've got your categories. Categories is, is putting certain posts in, grouping them in certain categories. And then you've got recent comments. And then you've got your review section as well where you've got people giving reviews as well about inbound marketing and then on the page you got you got it split up you got tables of um, tables written content and images um, and you you go for the same kind of layout depending on the blog post but I think that there were the things that he was talking about having a consistent layout that's really optimized because obviously you and your team are experts on this and this kind of layout if when I'm going to compete with a with a a particular term I can tell straight away like you that the people that own the website you know know what they're basically doing because they've optimized it quite a bit would you agree with what I just outlined Absolutely. All right. We've got a lot. Like I said, this is a meaty topic, everybody. So we're going to move into number two. Producing information posts. It's all about ideas, baby. That's what you got on here. Um, on the actual guy's uh, thing, it says create a content assembly line, which I think is his way of saying content ideas. But share your thoughts with me on what you meant when you were saying it's all about ideas, baby. Yeah, you kind of... Um... He, uh, information and then there was another category you utilized as well but i think i think in the particular because this is what this was our article in the general area of producing um content on your website that would get traffic um because i i looked under real estate agent real estate industry and there were some blog posts there but i thought they were extremely outdated rob so I went for a more general source. Um, and um, I think it, that was about doing some basic research because I think this is the key area when people are producing content for the website and they're doing, doing it themselves. This is the major step that they really fell on because you've got to choose topics that that can get some reasonable traffic from from organic search if you're not going to utilize paid traffic. Um, so you've got to do some basic SEO research, and, and um, it doesn't have to be too current. Um, one of those, I don't know what, what if you would agree with this, Rob, is that um, and is look at your competition, look at the other websites in your local area and have a look at some of the topics 
and there's you know um, there are tools that will tell you um, and make a judgment call um, about the subjects they're talking about. But you've got to do some basic research, um, and then I think in posts around that give information, give you know share insight and knowledge are the best ones to start off with. What's your What's your views? I would like to answer this question in a way that I don't generally answer this question, which is I would like to um, see here. Let's do this this way. All right. Give me one second. Um, So guys, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for those of you who are not on a, um, on a, uh, they're not watching our video. You're going to want to, you're going to want to, watch this on a this next little bit on a video okay because i'm going to show you all something john the easiest way to get contents these days is actually just to let google suggest the subjects to you and i'll show you what i mean so i'm doing a broad search in fairhope alabama which is a which is a upper middle class uh shoreline area in uh in alabama okay uh it's uh, a burgeoning area I just did a broad search, Fairhope, Alabama. Nobody needs AREF's SEM Rush, Uber Suggest, or any other tool to do decent keyword research. Why? Google already gives you all the primary questions that are being asked about the area. What is it known for? Cost of living, distance from beach, and famous people. And right here, we've got eight article suggestions in the first screen. It's what me and Mike my teams actually do. I'm not telling you all to do something I don't do myself. Additionally, when you look at what support information is somebody writing about that helps them get ranking like the city, community parks and trails, Fairhope Museum of History, Fairhope Docks Marina. All right. So now already we know on those, on those uh, pages, I'm going to stop sharing or try to at least have I stopped? I've stopped. Yes. So ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to, Content ideas or writing content, I think a lot of people just overcomplicate it. You might need to answer it up a bit by saying uh, the most asked question about cost of living in Fairhope, Alabama, or you know, you I keep my my blog title subject simple. Generally speaking, my the head of my brand and content team does not. He adds these really long titles onto our blog, John, and I and I don't get in his face about it. But with me, I always stick to simple titles, and I usually do look exactly what the top questions are that people are yeah. asking about an area. That's yeah, it. and I, I think unless you're dealing with very competitive, very competitive metropolitan areas where some of the real estate competition probably got in-house professional SEO and copywriting staff in-house or hiring, or they're hiring an agency like you, Um just doing some basic research that you've just shown and linking it to the previous point that we discussed, you're going to be heads in, you're going to be heads in front of most of the competition, aren't you? Correct. What, what you, what we're going to go to break in a second here, but ladies and gentlemen, everybody overcomplicates like blog posts. People like me get paid tons of money to overcomplicate it. Even other content producers oftentimes accidentally complicate their content. 
the only thing you really need to know is that as a real estate agent, you are supposed to be a lifestyle and a transactional expert. That's really what your profession kind of dictates that you should be. So then the next question is, what kind of questions are people asking about, about homes? Good God, I hope you know the answer to that. And then the other question is, what people are, are people asking about the area that you serve? And I just showed you the way that we use. Like the other way that you can go is you can go onto core and you can say questions about Fairhope, Alabama. Two rock solid ways to create, because you just want to create answers that may not already be out there about questions that people have. It's the easiest way to create blog content. Questions that people have about your area, TripAdvisor, Core, and Google itself are all the areas that we use to, to get what those questions are. All right? So, um, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why titles are important. We're, we may dig into keyword research a little bit more, but I kind of feel like we covered that subject. Uh, we're going to talk about how to title your blog, get a little bit more specific about that. We're going to talk about internal and external page connection, how you connect the pages on your website and how, you know, how people use those connected pages. Um, and then, uh, how people connect to your website that are not part of your website. In other words, external people to you, how do they connect to your website and why is that important? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. We're looking forward to, uh, hopefully, educating and entertaining you for another 15 to 20 minutes. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy to use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no question asked 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay, get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we are talking about the best ways to improve your real estate uh, website traffic. This makes the assumption that you have a, a website. It makes the assumption that hopefully you have enough control over your website to feel comfortable investing your time and energy into improving the traffic on your website. Um, and we're going to talk very briefly about leads because mostly what I'm noticing these subjects about are actually traffic and traffic and lead generation, two entirely different categoric subjects. So. Uh, John, the next subject that we have on here, I feel, do you feel like we kind of covered number three, basically semi-copy or competition post titles? Well, it's just the titles are important. I think they're one of the main things that Google looks at, you know. So um, look at the, con you know, do what we outlined in part two that you, that you showed. Look at the post. Don't, don't copy the title word to word just swap some of the key words with similar words. Um, he also should, you know, you get a lot of um, list articles because this, this wasn't specifically aimed at the real estate industry. So you get a lot of list articles, so nine, nine blogging tools. And he seems to suggest, I never heard this one before. I'm not, I'm, that odd numbers work better. Uh, I've never heard that one before. I might make a little bit of a difference. I don't know. But um, the titles are linked to your SEO research. And I think in SEO terms and in readability terms, i.e. people clicking, it, um, it is important. What, what's your thoughts? Well, I know where the odd numbers thing is coming from. It's coming from ChatGPT. I just looked uh, on one of my earlier calls today, a guy who's posted 521 articles that he all supposedly wrote in August and September, 521. 
there are all nine best ways to do this, nine best ways to do that. Guy destroyed the uniqueness of his blog, like just by posting nothing but what was obviously AI or behavioral learning generated content. And um, odd odd numbers when you when you search in Chat GPT, it says that odd number of posts gets clicked. Well, that's according to its data pool, which would be Bing and Microsoft. They didn't have permission to grab grab data off Google. So they're missing 85% of their data. I'm not saying that their 10 to 12% isn't representative. I am going to say, I don't know that I would necessarily buy into that 100%. But for the sake of argument, let's say they're right, just to keep the conversation flowing. Let's just say that odd numbers do work better. Seven, five, nine, three. H2 and H3 titles are important. John, do you care to explain to the audience what a header is and how, what that actually means? Because uh, you just lost 80% of us. Yeah, that's right. Um, blog post content on the internet are laid out in a scripted language called HTML. And um, your titles, your main titles are H1 and then... Um, which is normally the, the main title on top of your page or blog, especially in WordPress and then in most uh, website building tools. Um, and then you have semi-titles um, that break up your page. And um, H2, H2, you should only have two H2s, um, but you, this, uh, this isn't concrete. But uh, I think... The research I've done um, from various experts, it's, it's the wording in your H2s and your H3s one of the, is a key factor that Google looks at. It's looking at a load of different factors, hundreds of different factors, but it's uh, spending a bit of time optimizing those and making sure um, is important, but not overdo it, not stuff it with keywords all over the place. Um, yeah, that's what I've got to say about that. What do you think? Well, everything you said was correct. HTML, um, all those things. Ladies and gentlemen, you can tell the title of a page. Generally, it's signified by the size of the text and the boldness of the text. Now, the boldness is not a universal signal. The size, however, is actually a universal signal for H1s and H2s. So... When we're talking about, and once again, for those people, I don't know why I'm so into this this particular time, but once again, I'm just going to show something. I'm mm-hmm. going to use one of our sites. I'm just going to go to a blog. This is an H1. It's a title. Okay? Larger, in this case, bolder. You click on it. When you, see, when you hit the page, it's still going to be larger, still going to be bolder. And then this down here, for us, we skip. Like, this is probably H2s. And H3s would be slightly smaller in size. Now, the relevance of these things is, um, I should have just stopped sharing. Just confirm for me that I'm not sharing anymore. John. Yeah, you're not sharing that. Okay. So the relevance of these things, ladies and gentlemen, is that Google is taking the titles and it's actually making a vast assumption about everything else on the page. And it's using your headers as confirmation. So it's called semantic keyword recognition. They're just assuming what, the keyword and the content is on the site and they're no longer looking words for words they have a, an element of their program that just kind of casually verifies based upon language density what uh what it is you're really talking about 
But once they've identified these signposts and language density, they just make the assumption, this is what the article is about. And then they look at user engagement for a lot of their other signals. They also still do look to this interconnectivity that we're going to move on to in the next subject. They look at the way the pages are connected on the site and how easy is it for somebody to get from one page to the next in order to um, use the rest of the site. So let's just say you have an answer to a very popular question, but you have support content out there for that question, such as let's say you wrote an article on beaches and then you say, I also, by the way, have a little page that tells you what the fees are to park in each beach and, and a map to where all those beaches are. So that'd be an excellent example of how you would use linking off one article into other pages that were existing on your website that all support the main article, which Google does look at and looks at the user behavior as people travel from one link to another and lands on those additional pages. And then do they stay there? Did it seem to support the original topic? And if the answer is yes, all the pages benefit. Um, What's your idea about internal and external linking? I think I've kind of commented to the degree that I that I want to on that. Yeah, I think I think there's two levels to this because obviously the SERPs SERPs areas tend to look at page authority. I think to some degree Google's moving away from that, from page authority to more domain authority because because of AI, because of changes in technology so they're to some extent and i might be totally wrong but i'm just going by um what i'm hearing and the the um the professionals in this sector that i follow they say domain authority um is becoming a bit more important than it always has but um the other factor is they do like to see internal links to other sectors of your website from your posts um there's, there's um, like Robert and a more, a more aware, more professional person that's working on the websites. They would have silos. It's called silos in the industry. A silos around a particular sub topic, and they group pages that feed domain authority juice to one main page. It, it's a, it's a will where you've got a central hub and you've got pages that feed authority into the main page. But you've got to be at kind of um, Roberts and his team level to understand all this. If you're you're a DIY person, or I would say just make sure that if you've got about three or four pages around a particular subject, it's great to link them. And then um, something which people... Who are not professional trying to struggle in it's um it's a good idea to link um to external websites from your pages to external websites that give more value about the subject and trying to explain that to a client that doesn't hasn't got some knowledge in this area is really really a struggle because they say um and it's understandable because it's counterintuitive. You're taking them away from your website. And when it comes to the professional level, I might be taking you might not like that idea because then because the only contradiction is obviously keeping them on the website. You want to keep them on your website as long as possible because that's one of the. So I don't know what your view about that. I I do. If um, 
especially if I'm linking to a more authoritative website, I do have external links. What what do you think of what I've just said, Rob? I think that um, there's a lot of dialogue about something called link building. Okay, um, link building used to be eighty percent of SEO, and John's right. It's complicated. It's multi multi layered. There's all sorts of things where websites are hosted and what the subject of the site is, and do the visitors from that site stay on your site? Blissfully, link building is a signal that is diminishing in value over the years. It's now not by most people considered to even be a top five signal. I also agree with John where the the place that you do still see things really mattering is there's definitely still a part of the algorithm that is looking at link building to establish a domain's overall authority and decide whether or not that domain can really rank for top tier keywords in a number one or two position. So I think once again, we're talking about, are you a re- are you aiming at a really competitive keyword? Because if you are, do you still have to worry about link building? Absolutely. For a lot of the lesser comp- competition keywords, I think it's almost 100% based on user behavior these days, John. I don't even know that we need to talk about external link building anymore. But what is that? So let's just say a website is a book. The book has pages. Let's say you're in a library. And you've got 10 million books to choose from. Uh, and you go to a librarian. And the librarian said, you say, I want to find out something about uh, hunting deer in the state of Wyoming. So the librarian points you to a section of the library that has books on hunting. That point is the same thing as a referral link that a website would do to a broad subject that you had. Internal linking would be the specificities. Once the book is there and it's opened and it's very, very credible, like let's just say that you go to that section of the library instead of just one librarian down at the bottom, there's another librarian. And now you say to that librarian, where's this book on deer hunting? And they go, well, you should try this book, this book, and that book. That is what a website does when it refers somebody to you. It is literally saying... We think that these websites are the most authoritative on those subjects. Do they know that you really necessarily have the specificities of the answer? No, not necessarily. But if the librarian is considered a subject matter expert, depending on the library that you're in, and they refer you, then of course that expertise transfers because that librarian is supposed to know what they're talking about, right? That's the same thing as websites and linking, John. That's the same thing that high quality linking focuses on. Great links for real estate agents these days are. Uh, Active Rain, which has been true for many years, but Inman, Realty News, these are all places where real estate agents, professionals go to get their real estate related news. And they anticipate that those blogs and, and newspapers are experts in the field. So if you were to get a link from those experts to your website and you're in real estate, that one vote is probably enough to establish your domain in the eyes of Google, and two or three votes of that high caliber would definitely establish your domain in the eyes of Google. Does that make sense? From my perspective, does that make sense to you? Yeah, sure. I think, I don't know what what you're going to think about what I'm just going to say, but I always said, I think it still applies, but I'm not active, active with clients in this sector like you are. Is that when it, it depends on if you're in a smaller city or smaller town or region, localized SEO is a little bit different, I think, to some extent than nas- regional, national, if you're in a big metropolitan area. And what I mean by this, Rob, 
is that when it's in a less competitive area, I think you can build external links that have some effect by using directories and going to a number of free sources uh, and you can just fill in the details. I think they they still offer it, but I haven't checked it for over a year. Is Moss? They used to offer a, um, a tool that uh, I think it was a one-off payment. I don't think it was that, or you paid it once a year, and you could fill all your details, and it would um, make sure your details filled in in all the local directories, so the contact details were correct because. That's what one of the factors that Google looks. And I think in less competitive areas, I think there's a lot of low-lying um, link-building strategies, which I'm sure you utilise in your team, that can make a big difference. I think these strategies um, get more difficult when you're dealing with very competitive, like Beverly Hills, or you're dealing with New York or, or San Francisco, because you're dealing with a whole crowd of real estate brokerages and individual agents that either invest a lot of time in knowledge themselves or they hire other people like yourselves that really know their SEO. Well, do you reckon I'll just outline? I reckon that we should have a different podcast on hyperlocal SEO. It's a completely different subject. Yeah. Not that anything you said was was necessarily wrong, but it's not even the same search results. So different category so we should talk about it separately all i will say is nothing you probably talk about doing that next week beautiful we're going to do that so ladies and gentlemen we're going to wrap this show up it's been about 35 minutes which is somewhere in the neighborhood of how how long we we tend to like to go john if you wanted somebody to um have a longer dialogue with you about uh like seo or like like what a search site is or any of the subjects that we said, or what would you recommend for their website to get them additional traffic? Like all those things, how would you want them to reach out to you? Well, first of all, I'd be really happy to have a chat with them, but if they were really serious about SEO, I'll send them over to Robert, to, you know, <laughs> Robert uh, because we don't have, look, Robert, we just don't have the team and the bandwidth to do that. We, uh, my, my small team, we focus on Facebook and yeah, and as you know, we've built a really good platform for paid traffic, follow through, and we've got some other cool elements. But I just don't. Um, the re- Rob is Rob and his team are really good value in this because he's built up a whole team, and he's he's at a price point that a lot of people could afford and get some real benefit. Where um, other services, um, they're more aimed at. You know, you need a very, very large budget, you know, a very successful brokerage budget. Um, so that's what I would do. But if you just want a general chat, um, I'm more than happy to give you some insights. But if you really, really want to hire a SEO team, you'd better off going over to Robert. Back over to you, Rob. Wow. Thank you so much, Sean. It means the world to me. If anybody would like to do that, um, uh, I'm going to say go to inboundrem.com, go to our about or services page. Uh, you can either find a link to a, like a contact form, or you can find a link to my calendar, depending on which one of those two pages you go to. And I will happily have a conversation with you about uh, real estate SEO. With no further ado, why don't you sign us off, John?